welcome to the voices of brahmaputra a podcast where we bring diverse stories from the basin depicting the local community's association with the river from a socio-cultural perspective i am your host anamika barwa a professor in the department of humanities and social sciences indian institute of technology guwahati india today we will be talking about culture and music of the brahmaputra basin with our special guest Sanjay Hajarika and Shamnaz Ahmed Rubi. So let's get started. Oi gosokot bhangi jajoto I hope our listeners have enjoyed our previous podcast session which was about the politics around the Brahmaputra basin where we had an interesting discussion on the roles of politics and power shaping the water interactions among the four riparian countries of the basin This is the fourth session in the series of podcasts where we will be diving into yet another fascinating aspect of the Brahmaputra in an endeavor to explore what binds the varied communities and ethnic groups to the river and how has the river molded their identity, art and culture. Speaking of our guests, today on the show, we are excited to have Sanjay Hajarika. He is the director of the Commonwealth Human Rights Initiative, founder and managing trustee of Center for Northeast Studies and Policy Research, also known as CNES in India. And Shamnaz Ahmed Rumi, she is a seasoned professional in humanitarian assistance program currently working as a consortium coordinator at Subhash Consortium in Bangladesh. They are scholars as well as practitioners who have been working on various projects around the Brahmaputra River and the basin communities for a long time. So today they will be sharing their experiences with us. Social scientist Linton say culture of a society is way of life of its members the collection of ideas and habits which they earn share and transmit from generation to generation the brahmaputra river basin or more accurately the ayarnong sangpo brahmaputra jamuna river basin is a perfect example to validate this point it is a transboundary water body that flows across four countries It is known as Yalong Sangpo in China, Siang, Brahmaputra and Lohit in India, and Jamuna in Bangladesh. In Bhutan, three of its main tributaries originate, thus forming a deep network with the rest of the riparian countries. The riverbanks of the Brahmaputra are home to different indigenous groups and races of various kinds, each with their own culture and rich cultural heritage. However, the culture developed on the banks of the Brahmaputra is itself presenters of hundreds of tribes and communities 
that can be traced back to centuries of peaceful coexistence. Therefore, what appears as heterogeneity and multiculturalism has a strong sense of oneness identified by deep relationship with the river. This session, culture and music of the Brahmaputra is an ode to this oneness that binds us to the river and to one another. Swamnaz Ahmed Rumi and Sanjay Hajarika, welcome to the Voices of Brahmaputra. Talking about the communities and generations of peaceful coexistence, my first question is to you, Sanjeda. How do the generations living by the river identify themselves with the river and what kind of bond they share with the river? And it would be really nice if you can illustrate it with an example from the basin. There are many generations along the river, just as there are many ethnic groups, communities and languages and people of all faiths. So to them, each, each individual, each group, each group, each community, the, the river represents many things. It is both power and disempowerment. It is both language and music. It is displacement and disaster. It is uh, sadness and joy. So all these things come together through their songs and their music, which is embedded in the river. Because if you just look at the river, the river bisects Assam and the, and the Northeast and even Bangladesh, if I may say. It flows from Tibet to the Bay of Bengal, dividing and uniting communities, dividing geographically, but uniting them in their shared concerns, culture and experiences and hopes. And it's really interesting to see also as somebody who's designed and worked on boats on the Brahmaputra, how the boats change along with the communities and the geography from Tibet, from the Sangpo, right down to the Bay of Bengal. That's also an indication of how people adapt to the, the nature of the river as it changes from geography to geography. Thank you, Sanjeda. Indeed, it is really interesting to see the role the music plays, how it binds communities and the kind of intrinsic relationship communities have developed with the river. Having this discussion, what comes to my mind is that Bangladesh is home to many communities that are also deeply connected with the river. Uh, so uh, Rumi, in this regard, I would like to hear from you. You know, amongst many riverine communities in Bangladesh, there is a community that lives primarily on boats. Could you share some insights with us regarding why the river appeals so strongly to these communities? So they are actually the gypsies. They are the water gypsies of Bangladesh. They are also the water gypsies, which is which are living in parts of India as well along the Brahmaputra River Basin. And these people, they have built their life around the river, on the river. They have an emotional attachment to the river. Sometimes they consider the river as their protector, as their a key source of income and as their mother. So it's like these communities' cultures, if we look at their cultures, 
their culture is based on this river, the way they collect food, the way they live their life, their daily life, that's based on these rivers. If we look at like a specific example, like along the Savar area, that's the outskirt, just 30 kilometers away from the center Dhaka, we see these water gypsies and they actually live and do everything on water. They do their livelihood, they collect snakes from there, they do their cooking there, they grow their children there, and they have the sense of uh, attachment, belongingness to the river, which has influenced us, as, as uh, uh, Sanjay was saying, that their songs portray how their lives are dominated or how their lives are protected and prevailed by the river. So that's something that is important. Also in terms of religious practice, if you see, most of these people are from the Hindu religion and this religious belief is also attached with the river. It's a part of their identity. And they also do strongly believe that these people, their culture is based on river and it is the source of their next generation's future and their next way of life. So it's important that we see how these river gypsies, they are interpreting nature. They are accommodating and starting to live with the nature. It's a classic example of living within the nature, but not harming it. If you look, but nowadays, what I would also like to point here is that nowadays they are losing this because of industrialization, modernization, and harmonization. But that's also having a stress on their interpretation of their life before the industrialization and after the industrialization. Yeah, so uh, that's what I would say specifically. Thank you, Rumi. Very fascinating, actually. Uh, Sanjana, I would really like you to come in here and would you like to add to what Rumi just described? Yeah, actually, uh, the Beres, as the water gypsies are called, called in Bangladesh, very fascinating community. I, I had uh, filmed them uh, when I was working my film with Janu Burua and the Brahmaputra from Tibet to the Bay of Bengal. And, um, you know, they're extremely poor, extremely poor, and they're, they're, the, the levels of literacy are very, very, very low. But what is interesting, I think if we take the metaphor of the river gypsy or the idea of the river gypsy, everybody on the river, when it's in flood, becomes a river gypsy, you know, because they live on the boat or they live, you know, there, there's a way of adjusting to flood. You have different level levels of, uh, of wood that you put up, beds and all that, which as the water level rises, and then you go on to the uh, or to the roof of a house. This happens in many parts of Bangladesh and Assam uh, and other parts where there's flooding. And ultimately, you take the boat. If there is a risk to life, you take the boat and go to high water. So this really is a very fascinating way of looking at the concept of water gypsies, is that they're not just one scout community, but in a, in a larger sense, because of displacement and flooding, it becomes everybody, almost everybody who is affected by the flooding becomes a water gypsy. Thank you so much, Anjeda and Rumi. Both of you have made this point very, very 
interesting and you know that it is across both the countries that is what one can really see when it comes to floods and disasters related to this river Well, Sanjana, I, I would like to uh, also ask you a question now because we are talking about so much of similarity between India and Bangladesh. How similar are the literature or folk tales of the riverine communities um, across these you know, administrative boundaries and geographic locations? And, and, and Dr. Bhupen Hajurika's music, as we know, has influenced the communities of both Assam and also uh, Bangladesh. So how do you see that? How, what is your view on this? See, the Bhupenda or Bhupen Kura, as I, would, I used to call him, he is celebrated as much in Bangladesh as a singer and an icon as he is anywhere in Assam or anywhere in, in India or even in South Asia, because he was like a South Asian, no? That's the importance of rivers. Rivers respect no boundaries. And Bhupin Hazarika's music respected no boundaries because he could speak in many, sing in many, and write in many languages. And uh, his one of his songs, which has nothing to do with the river, became like an anthem during the Liberation War, which was Joy Joy Novajata Bangladesh, Joy Joy Mukti Bahini. I mean, even when I say these words now, it sends a, a shiver down my, down my spine. And for all people of Bangladesh who fought this liberation war against an oppressive force. I think it was an amazing, amazing rallying cry. Uh, but beyond that, um, there's life before, before Bhupen Hazarika, there's life after Bhupen Hazarika. But I think uh, very significantly, the, the Bhatiali of, uh, of the Brahmaputra, of the, of, of the Podda, which is sung across borders, I think that is a, such a wonderful binding for some of the Love, loveliest music and songs come from the Bhatiali, the fisher, the fisher folk of, of the boat people uh, of, of the Brahmaputra and the Ganga and the Podda and the Meghna. So I think that it is very important when you talk about the Brahmaputra basin, it is actually an accumulated inclusive basin. It is not something that is just, this is the border and here it stops. No, the river does not stop flowing because it is the border. And people are like that, you know, and uh, their music, their food. It's not just music, it's food also, which is shared. Uh, the, the stories and, uh, you know, Sachin Dev Burman and O Majire. So, O Boatman, take me across the river. And Tagore, I think uh, some of the great Bangladeshi poets all build their music and their songs and their lives around the, around the river. So, it's, a, it's, it's really deeply deeply connected and uh, the love of fish i mean <laughs> can you can you can you leave that aside so the love of elish and, and all forms of fish <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Yes, absolutely. There is so many things and you know that we share such a bond. And you know, uh, Rumi, so I am sure all of this which Sanjeda just mentioned, be it song, food and of course Ilish. So I just want to know from you as well, you know, in terms of Bangladesh, what tells the river tells? The rivers in Bangladesh, specifically this Brahmaputra River basin and people living here, they are the story of life. They are the experience of life. If you listen to one song, you will see it's a story and it's a complete story. One song would express its interest towards life and asking to the river, where do you go? Like, oh, no, dire ekti kotha shudhai shudhu tomare. In Bangla, so in English, we would say, Oh dear river, I ask, I want to ask you a question. Where is your country? Where do you want to go? You are always flowing. So these kinds of philosoph it's a kind of a philosophical conversation with the river, which is a part of the life. It talks, we have Hasun Raza, we have Shah Abdul we have the songs from the boatmen who would sail for days and nights, the fishermen who would sail for day and days and nights, and they will talk about their family, they will talk about their regular life experience. It's a part of our history as well. Like they would sometimes say how these people, as uh, I would connect with uh, Sanjay Hazarika here, these people, these people who are living by the river, they're usually very, very poor. And when we had these, uh, these institution of zamindars and big rich people were living there, these people were the oppressed ones. They would say, oh dear king, don't torture me anymore. I don't have the money, but please don't torture. Or dear king, give, give me some help because I my kids are, running out of food. So it's it's a very simple way of life, expression about the life and their regular experiences about the life, their family, their emotions, their appreciation about the nature. It also talks about how mighty the river is, but it also talks about the attraction towards the land and how much these people are living in between lands and living in between the rivers and how the river have sometimes blessed them with fish, but how the river have sometimes destroyed them with the flood, taking all their land. So all these stories, people use these stories to express their uh, express their feeling about the nature. So it's I would say it's a range of hope. It's a range of love. Sometimes it expresses the uh, beauty of an individual. It can be catharsis as well. So there is there are a lot of uh, ranges but it captures a way of life, an interpretation of life, and it's uh, more towards the life's philosophy. Absolutely, thank you so much, Rumi. You rightly mentioned that it is a river of hope, love, 
and catharsis and and of course it the music describes the landscape so well uh, this actually brings me to my uh, you know last question and i would like to first hear from you rumi you know what has been the cultural identity of women within this uh, you know riverine communities well i would say women have been very lucky they have been the center of the riverine community I would start from the poems, like all the poems, all the songs that the fishermen sing, many of them are expressing about women, they are carrying the water, going back home, and then how their beauty have attracted them. And then the, then the story evolves. There would be women who would be very strong and who would be bold, and they, these kind of character would be coming out from the tales of the fishermen and boatmen from the songs. There would be the emotions, as I have said before. For example, they would say that I have left my wife at home. She is alone. I don't know how she is uh, there because I am in the middle of the river, but still I feel for her. So women have been always represented in the culture, in the languages. But if we look deeper into a lens of like how they have been uh, a part of the cultural identity, you would see that they would have their own craftsmanship. So they will have their own weaved fisherman nets. They would have their own home uh, with a specific, cra specific crafts on their walls. I went to the specific southern part of Bangladesh where I saw that female, they make special designs in their homes just to praise the nature, just to praise the river. But they also say that it's a way to express that, that their gratitude to the nature and their gratitude to the river. I have seen the, the ethnic communities in Bangladesh who are living by the rivers, they often put flowers. And there is a tale that women would be the, would be the ones who would be going there and putting the flowers there. So it's women-centered cultural identity it's women who are actually practicing it, and it's women's uh, identity, which is more and more focused in the cultural identity. And women are the one who are actually the caretakers of the family whilst the male are out uh, in the river and they go out for fishing, and it's the women who are protecting the family. So often you would see this kind of interpretation in terms of ethnicity amongst the riverine communities. Yes, thanks Rumi. So Sanjeda, what Rumi actually brought out is that women of this particular river basin plays a very important and a significant role. I would also like to know your view because you have worked very closely with communities in, in India and Bangladesh both. So what is your take on this? And I agree with much of the things that Rumi has said, but there is also a, a darker, uh, more difficult side challenging side to it. But let's look at the positive side. Women do figure in the uh, the music, the, the cultural aspects of, of these issues. But it, when it comes to life and death issues, really survival issues, they really are at the bottom of the heap. Let me explain this. When I was doing my initial research in Assam on uh, when I was trying to figure out the, the concerns about uh, health issues on the islands of the river and so on. And in Bangladesh, you don't have the chores as much as we have in Assam. Um, we found that maternal mortality among women 
I mean, maternal mortality was the highest in the country among women. In, in Assam, in Assam praises its women and says, oh, we hold them in high esteem and they have the best, no dowry, the, the best treated. But Assam's rural areas, especially around the rivers, river banks, and on the river, on the great islands of the river, 2,500 islands, maternal mortality was a, a common feature. And uh, that is what we need to look at, infant mortality, maternal mortality, because women are extremely poor. And uh, nutrition-wise, they, they don't have uh, very good nutritional uh, inputs. Uh, and these are the things that we have to also contest and uh, change and improve. So these are some of the real challenges for microcredit, for issues of on savings, on issues of family planning. Women don't have control over their lives, over their bodies. And that is something we need to ensure that they have that dignity, that respect, that power. Because women must have agencies on the river. They need to be em empowered to, to speak on these issues, to take, to make their own choices and uh, strengthen their lives and the lives of their children. Because it's only through stronger, empowered women that we'll have a better society. And that is as much true on the river, because it is not that romantic. I mean, when you, when you have the floods on the river, where do women go for a toilet? What about, uh, you know, uh, their periods and menstruation? Issues like that, how vulnerable are women at times of flooding? I don't know about Bangladesh, but certainly in Assam, we know that trafficking uh, takes place uh, during the flooding time because these mafia people come and pick on vulnerable families and smuggle, buy, smuggle, steal uh, young women, children, and, uh, uh, and others away. Uh, so, you know, these are things that have to be contested, they have to be acknowledged, and they have to be battled with, because dignity is part of democracy. Dignity is, is part of civilization. And without that, you cannot have equality. Absolutely, absolutely. I agree with you, uh, Sanjeda, on this. And uh, yes, Rumi, I am sure you have definitely also come across what Sanjeda has, uh, you know, indicated. So before ending this, I would really like to come back to you again, and you know, would like to know uh, what what is your view on this? Uh, when when you definitely mentioned that women are so important and plays an integral, uh, you know, role and a part of this are a part of this river basin. But how do you look at it when you look at their challenges and, the, and their day-to-day -day struggle? Yes, so that's something that I would echo with Sanjay, is women are oppressed here and their rights are curbed. And well, practice is so far away and awareness of rights is something that that has not been worked on so much in the Rivaline culture. Of course, it is women are an important part of the culture, which we need to recognize. And if we look back to the history, we would see that it's women 
often who have come up with the ideas to to establish a civilization by the river. And also we have the stories across the Brahmaputra River Basin, how women have played a critical role. But when it comes to recognition and supporting the women, empowering the women, bringing them out from their home, giving more power, decision-making on their life, that is something that we are still missing out. As Sanjay has said, that there are higher mortality rates, they are still do not have, they do not have the control over their body. And often I would say that women are more exposed to risks in the river, riverine culture, in the riverine uh, areas, in the chore areas, in the hour areas. And when they are young, they are even, even in higher risk because of their age because of their identity sexual identity and because of their social status they are usually lower in the power and there is a very strong power play in the society and women living by these rivers who live on these rivers who have a way of living with the rivers are often in the lowest tier of power and that's how they get oppressed day by day. Even you would say, as I was talking about the Bede communities, we had to fight a long fight for their land rights. So it's a whole community that has been actually overlooked. And then if you look at the women still in Bangladesh, we are struggling to have the land rights, land property rights properly implemented in Bangladesh, although there are policies there. So I would say that it's important that how do we invest in women education women empowerment but also how do we bring in shift in a way so that there is more rights by women and that's where i see in the importance of engaging journalists there who can play a significant actor in the in this they can capture the real scenario from the from the field by the river they can write on it with specific research and data, and then they can actually influence the policy makers and the decision makers. Yeah, so that would be my one angle, but it should be, as I have said before, and now I am reiterating, the situation of the women living by the river has to be interpreted in a, through a gender lens and actions should be taken in multi-directional way, both in terms of power structure, but also in terms of economic well-being, access to, assets and uh, other economic facilities. Thank you so much, uh, both Rumi and Sanjeda, for uh, describing it so well. And I think that is why we call this river as a river of hope and sorrow, as there are so many opportunities, but then there are equal amount of challenges too. And I, this, I think this topic uh, of culture, music, food, identity, gender, I think there, is, there can be no end to this discussion. And of course, both India and Bangladesh, there are so many things that is common between us. And we also appreciate all of this together. Boy, so good. I live on here. Boy, so good.
So thank you so much to both of you for joining this extremely valuable session. And I'm sure our listeners have thoroughly enjoyed this uh, you know, session with so many diverse views that has come out. And uh, it will also surely help them in deepening their own understanding of inclusiveness. Um, so yes, this brings us to the end of this very interesting session. Thanks to Sanjeda and Rumi for taking time to join us in this discussion on the culture and music of the Brahmaputra Basin. This uh, podcast is an outcome of an effort put in by several people and hence let me also take this opportunity to thank them for making this podcast possible. First of all, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, the Netherlands for supporting our project Science Communication for Water Diplomacy in the Brahmaputra. Thanks to the partners and coordinating team and also to all the guests who have contributed to our podcast and of course to our listeners. So thank you for following us and for your feedback. Be sure to come back next week for a discussion on the women professionals of the Brahmaputra Basin, which will again be joined by some of the eminent water experts. Till then, this is Anamika Barwa signing off.